Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me this week is Tori. Hello, Internet. And no one else, because they're jerks. Um, so, Tori, uh, what was your good thing this week? Well, I'm having trouble remembering. Have I used before Miraculous Ladybug as my good thing? Because I, I want to use Miraculous Ladybug as my good thing. I don't know what that is, so I'm going to go with no. Okay, it's a, a magical girl superhero cartoon from France, <laughs> and I love it. I, I've loved it since season one, and now we're in the middle of season two, and I just saw the new episode from last night, and I love it. So when you say magical girls, like in the style of Sailor Moon? Yeah, sort of. Uh, so it's about this girl, Marinette who uh, is secretly the superhero Ladybug, who is uh, saving Paris from the evil villain Hawk Moth, along with her sidekick, um, the leather-clad, pun-spewing Cat Noir. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's for little <laughs> kids. Not, not like preschool kids but like elementary school kids and um it, it has a following among older teens and adults and it's kind of a guilty pleasure and i love it are you a brony did you just announce that you're a a french ladybug themed brony probably i actually don't watch the new my little pony because i grew up on the old one and the new one is not the old one and I, I can't overcome my disappointment. Okay. Um, so my good thing this week was going to be Totino's Party Pizzas, because they're amazing. Uh, but I think I'll save that one, because I was just reminded of how much I love The Martian. The book, the movie, TV version, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. Like, if it's on, I'll watch it. Uh, I reread the book pretty regularly it's by andy Ware, who just on the strength of the martian is is one of my always buy his books and read them authors like i was very tempted to last minute cancel this recording because it's on fx right now a movie that i've seen dozens of times that i own is on tv right now and i was considering not doing this thing that i'm responsible for in favor of just watching that. I, I mean, you could always mute your microphone and watch it in the background while I do the summaries later. Eh, I think I'll just, I'll just catch it later. Again, for the millionth time. So, like, the first um, time... the first Yeah, time you can I catch it later on the DVD that you own. The first time I read the book, I got it from the library, because that's... That's how I do with books I'm not sure I'm, like, super gonna like. I don't want to spend money on it, but I do still yeah. want to experience it. Um, I read it in a day. Like, got it at 10 a.m., finally finished it at, like, 3 a.m., got nothing done that day. Like, literally zero anything done that... I think I ate. I may have used the bathroom. Who can say? But it was... Ah, oh, it's such a good book and movie and... And this is one of those great times where, like, the movie is at, as good as the book. 
Like they're they are comparable. They are they are the same story. It's done very well. You can watch the movie without reading the book. You can read the book without watching the movie. You can watch the movie and read the book at the same time if you're capable of reading that quickly and also paying attention to a movie. I don't know that many people are. Uh, but like you, can... you'd have to use the pause button a lot, I think. <sighs> but like it, mm, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> well, and another point in its favor, um, I'll just say my my husband, who used to read a lot and then grew up and got a career and a stressful job, and now he doesn't read anything. He did read The Martian, and I think he only read, I, I think he read it in only one day also. Um, so if that tells you how good it is, then. So the thing that brought it um, onto my, like, into my knowledge sphere uh, was an XKCD comic, which described it as the one scene from Apollo 13 where they dump a bunch of crap onto a table and say, we need to build a filter that was designed to hold this out of all of, or we need to build a filter to go into hole into a hole designed for this. But what we have is this, and we need to use all adjust this. Uh, I'm I'm butchering it, but you are butchering it. But I know which comic strip you're talking about. But yeah, take that scene and extend it out to an entire book, and it's very good. And then like differences between the movie and the book is, like, they're fairly minimal. The book obviously has a lot more more depth to everything. Um, like, if there's something that you didn't really follow what happened on the movie, if you go into the book, you it explains things a lot more, like, in with a lot more depth. There is one thing in the movie that just drives me nuts, because they kept a thing from the book, but didn't keep the other stuff from the book that made it make sense, which was the, uh, the space pirate well. thing. Someday I will read the book and watch the movie, and then I will know what you're talking about. You haven't either? We, we've had this conversation before on the podcast. <laughs> I think we're having this conversation again, then. You haven't watched <laughs> or read The Martian? Well, I haven't watched it because I won't watch a movie based on a book unless I've read the book. And I haven't read it because it's on my list, and it's a long list, Mike, and... Somebody, I'm not going to name any names, somebody added a whole bunch of books to my list this year. But they're all really good books, though. That are really big books that take a while, and... <laughs> and you're doing them with audiobooks, that barely counts, come on. Also, the audiobook of The Martian is really good. Like, I... Every once in a while you can find a, like, full audiobook on YouTube for, like, three weeks before it gets pulled down. <laughs> and, and so I was able to listen to um, the audiobook of The Martian because I felt like it. And it's really good. Well, good. I shall keep that in mind. So, yeah. Uh, why don't you take us into the, the chapters today? Uh, this is chapters 22 through 24 of Elantris. Yes, 22 through 24. And um, so this is me playing the part of Seth. Again, I, I feel like I'm becoming uh, better and more nuanced in my portrayal of Seth. Um, but does this mean that you are also playing the part of Craig? 
I think I'm going to be a double roll of, of myself and Craig. Yeah. I don't know. So, so later I'm going to be totally silent and you're going to be talking to yourself, right? Yeah, this, this may, in hindsight, end up being a bad idea and one of our worst episodes, but I guarantee we'll still be better than episode one. That's fair. Okay, so for chapters 22 through 24, um, the Aeon at the beginning of the chapter is Aeon Deo, which means stability and security. And later we can talk about how these chapters might relate to that Aeon. So, in chapter 22... Raiden and Galadin sneak through the city, seeking Shaor's hideout. They're attacked by a madman on the way, who doesn't seem to feel any pain, but they come out all right. As they approach the bank, Raiden wonders what Shaor is really like, as no one has ever seen him on the raids. When they get inside, they are astonished to discover that Shaor is, in fact, an insane little girl in a blonde wig. They flee when she sees them and orders her men to attack. Later, after they're safe, Raiden explains to Galadin that the girl was Duke Telrai's daughter. The madmen are clearly worshipping her as a goddess. Back in their own camp, which Raiden's band are calling New Elantris, Raiden admires their progress. The streets they've cleaned, items they've scavenged, and combat training they've undertaken. Raiden worries it's not enough. As he pushes past the wall, the marble crumbles beneath his fingers. He considers that it must be related to the door somehow. Just then, Marishi announces that Elantris is being invaded. When they investigate, Raiden realizes it's Serene doing her widow's trial. He worries that her giving free food to the Elantrians will undermine everything he's worked for, particularly if Shaor's men attack her or any of the nobles with her. As he ponders what to do about it, he hears Serene's voice demanding an audience with the warlords of Elantris. Rayadin tells Marishi to pretend to be Aenden. That was chapter 22. Questions, comments, or should I just move on? Um, no, I think just move on. We'll, we'll discuss more things at length once, once we're into spoiler territory. Okay. Chapter 23. Accompanied by Eondel and Shudin and a few guards, Serene follows the Elantrian known as Spirit to the University District, thinking to herself that he was probably handsome before the whole curse thing. She meets with Karata and Aenden, air quotes there, though the reader knows it's actually Marishi. They say they've joined forces and defeated Shaor. Serene says she intends to give food to the Elantrians and asks what it will take to get the warlords to let her do it. She's surprised at their list of demands, but she agrees to them. After she leaves, Raiden tells the others it's important that the outsiders don't find out they're establishing a society in Elantris, as people will be afraid of them if they seem too organized. Back at the carts of food, Shudin tells Serene she got off lightly. The Elantrians' demands were all cheap and they don't seem like horrible people. Serene knows the Elantris city guards, where she got some of her intel, are biased against the Elantrians, but their information matched what she heard from Aishi, and the people in the streets are clearly oppressed and suffering. As she hands out the food, she's surprised to find Spirit helping with the distribution. 
The Elantrians seem afraid to approach until Spirit demonstrates that the food is real by eating a turnip. She watches him as the Elantrians file past, and from his demeanor, she realizes he is actually the leader of these people. She asks Aishi about it later, wondering if it's possible his information about the gang leaders was wrong. He admits his most recent intel came from the guards rather than the Elantrians. He reminds her she has a lot of political intrigue on her plate already, and maybe she should finish off what she, ha- what she has before she digs into Spirit's subterfuge. But she just can't stop thinking about him. So romantic. Okay, so I do want to bring something up here. Uh, we see structurally um, something new in this chapter that we haven't seen before. Which right, is, where it switches back to Rayadin's point of view in Serene's chapter. Right, it's only like two chapters, or not two chapters, like two paragraphs long. Uh, but that is a really weird thing that we don't, I don't believe, see again until like the very end of the book when everything goes all avalanche Yeah. So, I don't know, it was just weird. I, I kind of wonder why Brandon couldn't have figured out a way to make that scene happen in Rayodin's like own chapter. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely a first. I I feel like it wasn't too bad, um, especially considering how we pretty well lose the whole three point of view structure at the end of the book anyway. Like um, I mean, kind of yeah, it sets a precedence for that. At at that point everything has sort of exploded anyway um it's just mm, i don't know i feel like he set this structure up for himself and then just right here where it's just really convenient to do so he's just like nah i'm not gonna uh although there may have been something in the annotations i did not check those this week i actually just read the chapters this morning before i went to work i read the chapters and i took notes Uh, and i feel like that is enough work Okay, so you also didn't check the annotations. No biggie. Right. That needs to be someone else's job. I'm I'm keeping notes. <laughs> I, I've been checking them when I remember to. I don't know. I just didn't. Because we are not professionals. <laughs> I'll slap myself on the back of the hand. Bad Mike. All right. Hraithan's so, chapter. Chapter 24. And I'd, I'd just like to point out that ever since last week... I'm totally picturing Mads Mikkelsen in this role. It's He's such a killing good it. fit. He's such a good actor, yeah. He'd be perfect for it. Anyway, chapter 24. Raythan watches the food distribution from the top of the wall. People rapidly lose interest when the Elantrians meekly accept the food without attacking anyone. Raythan knows people will no longer fear the Elantrians after seeing that pitiful display. Telriai picks Raithan up in his carriage and angrily asks how this will affect their plans. Raithan says the nobility will eventually lose interest in the Elantrians, and then the people will as well. Besides, they still have their plans to undermine Iodin's rule through financial instability. Telriai is unimpressed and disrespectfully kicks Raithan out of the carriage far from his destination. Back at the chapel, Raithan overhears Diloff telling the other priests about events concerning Driok Crushthroat 15 years ago. Raithan realizes Diloff is far older than he had originally assumed, 
Additionally, Raithen's work to restructure the Derethi Church in Aralon has inadvertently given Diloff even more power through his connections to the remaining priests. Raithen closes himself in his office and reads an old entry in his personal journal, where he recorded a spiritual experience. He questions his beliefs, his wavering faith, and his purpose. He knows Diloff's faith is stronger than his own and wonders if he's doing the right thing. His chapter was very short. This is one of my favorite Raithen chapters. Um, not much happens, but literally everything that happens in it completely undermines everything he's been doing up to this point. Like, he, every single effort he has made thus far in this chapter falls apart completely. Um, this is, it's just, it's such a good chapter from his perspective. It's, especially since I know, you know, what's going to happen later. Right. But, uh, do you have anything non-spoiler to say, or should we just cut straight to... Let's cut straight to the spoiler stuff. Okay, spoiler stuff, yay. Um, okay, so, I don't remember how much longer it is, but I know it's it's not too much longer before Hraithen gets the, gets the Hoed potion. Hoed? Right. Hoed potion. But it's, like, right. just long enough that... Um, the first time I read through the book, I had forgotten that he had a whole conversation with with his stoner friend. Right. Um, so it, it kind of caught me off guard. Um, a druggy druggist. Yes. Like he has he has this ongoing cough because of the many and varied things that he smokes, and he has a loose sense of reality because of the many and varied things that he smokes. Uh, but yeah, that. Like, this sets that up very, very well, because, like, everything Hraithen is doing at this point is just just for nothing. Uh, right. It, it puts him in a vulnerable position, so that when things get even worse in the, in the following chapters, from, from his point of view, that you can see how it would drive him to take that step. This also, I feel, really reinforces the idea that Hraithen isn't actually the villain. Um, just because of how, stro how story structure works, if your villain halfway through the book uh, is just undermined at every turn, he's not a villain anymore. He's, he's something, like, he's not to be feared, he's to be pitied at this point. And yeah, that that's just one of our many, many signs that Hraithen is not, in fact, the villain of the piece. Um, and then, as far as other things coming up, one of my favorite Serene chapters is, I think, next week, um, where we get the the whole haggling with with Raiden and you know trying to give him give him the stuff he asks for technically but not actually have it any of it be useful. And there's a whole back and forth between them. And, and I, that part was just fantastic. I loved it. Yes. I love that too. It, it really demonstrates how clever she is. And I, I guess sarcastic would be the word. Um, sure. Now that said, I'm not a huge fan of those, those same scenes from Raiden's chapter. Because I feel like he has more important things to be about. Like, his job is fixing the magic and figuring out how it works and and solving it. 
and he's screwing around, you know, getting incredibly brightly colored claws and a crate full of nails and, you know, all sorts of random junk and, like, asking for fish from from Serene, fully expecting to get rotten fish just so they can use it as fertilizer, which that was actually a, a pretty good one. Like, I enjoyed yeah. that, that bit. But yeah, like, I feel like mm, for, for Rayodin's scenes, I really want him focused on the magic and we get a pretty solid break from that for, like, two or three more of his chapters while he deals with, with Serene and and internal um, Elantris politics. Well, and it's not so much that he's not continuing to research the magic, just that that's not the focus of his chapters anymore. Fair enough. Like, because it, they, they, men- they mention several times that he is still doing the research... I don't know. I'll have to wait until I reread it again. But it Sanderson just kind of throws that out there like, yeah, and he's still researching that in his spare time. Now let's talk about this other thing. <laughs> oh, um, that actually brings up something I did want to talk about is uh, the frustration that I have during all of these Cosmere books that like basic knowledge of of how magic systems work like, basically isn't written down anywhere. I understand it for Elantris because there was a whole library and it got eaten. And the knowledge that they needed was probably there, but it got eaten. And, like, the library that Rayodin has access to doesn't have any of those, like, basic primers. This is all, like, more, much more advanced stuff that assumes you already know, know things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, in Way of Kings... Uh, which I have restarted and I'm on, I think, section two of that right now. Like, there's all this basic knowledge that should have been written down clearly and passed down. And, like, Yasna is, you know, researching in in all of these, you know, various libraries that have all this ancient knowledge that nobody wrote down, like, oh yeah, the the parshmen are actually the void bringers and you know when when the desolations come uh watch out because they're gonna kill you all and it's it's pretty bad no it's it's all just like coy isn't it also supposed to be like i don't remember thousands of years Uh, about 4500 years that's a lot of years i mean just look at it from from our own world history, for example, like the events of the life of Jesus, for example, that was two thousand years ago. But right. and and we have we have a pretty solid record of that that has translation issues aside, uh, managed to survive the bulk of that time. Yeah, we've got the one like the Bible and that. And that's it. Like, if there were any other contemporary records, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I I get it, but that's that's still an example of like a record that survived. Like, you're. I feel like you're making my point for me. Yeah, but that's only two thousand years. Like two thousand years ago, and we have one book that survived. So you're talking about forty five hundred years. Okay, like, but but we have like a thousand different variants of that one book in in various languages spread throughout the world 
that have been, you know, some of them translated dozens of times, some of them fewer than that. Like, it's, that that is a, a thoroughly surviving record of what is, you know, in our world, a fairly important event. Yeah. Compared to nothing. Just, just nothing. Of, well, of... but also you've got, um, I, I mean, did they, did they have, uh, other than the Way of Kings, like the canonical one, not the, not the title of the book that is Sanderson's book, but the the book that's in the one written the by Nohadon, yes, yeah, that one. Um, did they have any other, for lack of a better word, any other scripture, like, um, I mean, something that would have been the equivalent of the Bible that people would have had copies of floating around? Presumably, um, I mean, the Way of Kings itself comes from that era. Nohadon was the was the king of, uh, I think, I think ancient Alethkar, Alethala, um, at the time of the last desolation. So, like, that work, that specific work, survived that whole time. Uh, the, the namesake of the second book, Words of Radiance, is specifically about the Knights Radiant, and, and is taken as, you know, a couple of generations removed, but, but factual in as much as it can be, like that's still from that same time, and and we don't have anything saying, "Hey guys, uh, Parshman, bad news, watch out." Yeah, that's. I'm with you on that. Like that, that could have, should have, maybe been recorded somewhere and like and, preserved, and yeah, preserved like, in some way. Yeah, but but when you say that there aren't any records of how to use the magic. I would argue that there are, and probably people just aren't understanding them. Uh, are you talking about in Elantris, specifically? No, like in, in any of the books. In in any fantasy novel where it's like, oh, this long-lost magic has returned and we don't know how to use it. Like, surely there's a book out there that can tell us how. Just in, in any fantasy novel... Do you I know mean, how hard it is to learn new skills from books sometimes? Fair enough. Like, just as an example, I can't draw to save my life. And if I go get a drawing book from the library, you, you know the thing. Like, step one, draw some shapes. Step two, add some lines. Slow down there. Step I'm still working on step one. Yeah. Step three, make it awesome. Like, that's how every drawing book goes. There's this sharp incline and difficulty between steps two and three every time. And there are people out there who they have the innate talent to draw that are going to be able to look at that how to draw book and go, oh, okay, it's all so clear to me. And I am not one of those people. Like maybe if I worked at it forever, I might be able to draw something that vaguely resembled a person that wasn't a stick figure someday, but that is not, that's not a natural talent for me. And so anytime I'm reading a fantasy book and people are talking about magic and some people are good at the magic and other people have to work at the magic. And there are, there are people out there that are just never going to get the magic ever. Okay. But back to, back to the point at hand, there are books there are books that you can you can learn to draw from if if you feel like taking the time 
and sucking at it a lot worse than you would if you had, like, in-person instruction, but, like, it's still an option. Yeah, and I feel like that's what we're getting with the Elantris magic, is there there are books, and Raiden is looking at them, and they're not making any sense. Like, I I, I, I think it's not necessarily because there's not the... The basic primer, as as much as you kind of have to know what you're doing in order I'm, to understand it at all. I'm I'm saying that the basic primer would include such simple things as, you know, the aeons are all based on the uh, the the area of Aralon. It's the coast and the mountains and the lake and like you know information about other regional magical systems because there are a ton of them like there's there's basically one for every region in the world as far as i can tell we just don't see the vast majority of that um well and that, so this was a here was my discussion point for the week uh so i was thinking about how all the aeons are based on the shape of Aralon, and we know from um the emperor's soul that the um the stamps are based on the map of what is the place called? Um, Napon, I believe it was. Napon, yeah. Um, so, do you think if we if we took an Elantrian and we put them in Mapon and they that they could invent some kind of Aeon that would work there? I would say no. Why not? Because they are invested. In- this kind of gets, because gets it, into the, the stuff that you have previously said you're not a big fan of, of getting into, which is, like, the, the, the deep metaphysics of, of, like, how all of this works. Um, okay, so, mm, I'm going to butcher this. I know I am. Uh, so the way investiture works is wherever it is you get invested, you get that power set. Um, so if you're on Scadriel you get to be a misting or a mistborn um, if you if you meet the criteria and then you get invested um, on on cell the elantris world uh, if like whatever whatever criteria you meet you get that investiture at that point you have that power set and then Using it elsewhere is just a question of getting access to a power source to make it work. Um, but we know that the magic from Warbreaker works on other worlds. Right, because that one is based on, on breaths. So you would go to Nalthus, the Warbreaker world. Um, you would pay a bunch of incredibly poor people to give you their breaths, and then they die sooner because they're sick, and... The uh, the whole economics of of breaths is just real messed up, um, and then you can go somewhere else with your several thousand breaths, and you can you can still invest things because you still have access to you know to the breaths as the primary resource. You have access to colors. You have access to you know human shaped things that you can bring to life. That that power set still exists. Um, we see during Words of Radiance, we see Hoyd um, slipping some metal into his own drink to right. probably um, mess with people's emotions because, man, that would be a really useful skill 
when no one has any idea that it's possible to do that, especially for the kind of things that Hoyd gets up to. Just, like, way more useful to to be able to do that when no one knows it's even possible than, you know, back on Scadriel where it's it's a known factor that people can do that thing. Okay, so explain to me why the magic on Cell yes. wouldn't... What is, what is it about the magic on Cell that makes it not work everywhere else? It, it does work everywhere else. They just need a power source. And, okay, so an Elantrian in Mapon mm-hmm. would still be an Elantrian. They would still have Aeon-based magic. Right. And well, and what I'm saying is, could they design an Aeon for Mapon? No, because Mapon doesn't make Aeons. Mapon makes soul stamps. Like, that's how the, mag- that's how the investiture works in that region. Uh, an Elantrian in Mapon would still draw regular old Aeons in the shape of regular old Aeons, and they would do regular Aeon things. Uh, it would just be way less powerful than it would be if they were closer to Elantris, because Elantris, the city of Elantris, acts as like a massive um, power boost to all the Elantrians that are on the planet, basically. It, that's actually like the, the whole source of why everything was so screwed up in in the book we're reading right now. Yeah. Uh, it's not that the chasm screwed up all the Aeons and so the Elantrians were broken. It's that the chasm screwed up all the Aeons and the city, which was acting as a a huge like power booster to all the Elantrians and, and causing them to transform even further than they would have normally, is like got screwed up. And then that caused all of the transformations to stop all of this additional power to stop and it screwed up everything. So like before the city of Elantris was built, there yeah. were still Elantrians. Yes. But the chasm exists like if the chasm had come into existence before the city of Elantris was built, there wouldn't have been an issue. They would have just had to like relearn how to draw aeons. They wouldn't have turned into weird magic zombie things. Are are you following? Okay. Yes. I get that. Okay, then what's what? What am I not explaining properly? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me that I, I really don't know how to articulate it. I'm not sure how to bridge this gap either because I'm coming at this pr- from a perspective of like I have spent years digging into all this, and like I'm, I'm sure that there's something that I'm just not saying, but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, same. Okay. Why don't we call this one good enough for now? Okay. Okay. Uh, I kind of didn't really have much else beyond that. What do you got? Um, well, let me look at my notes again. Any fun quotes? Any any character perspectives you want to you want to dig into? Did you think about uh, our casting and come up with anything better than what we already discussed? Hmm. Actually, yeah. Um, because. The DVD for The Greatest Showman came out this week, okay. and I saw that in the theater, and I and I loved it. Um, but I watched it again this week, and um, kind of think Zac Efron would be a good Raiden. Okay, I could see that. Not based on The Greatest Showman. Haven't seen it. No, I don't really plan to. The, <laughs> um, just... I I grew up loving the circus, so um, it's about circuses. 
and it has Hugh Jackman in it. So yeah, there's a whole Venn diagram oh. of things that are in The Greatest Showman that I just I just don't hit on any portion of. <laughs> uh, like circuses, I can give or take. Hugh Jackman can be fun sometimes, but I'm not a huge fan. Musicals in general, I kind of veer away from unless they're like animated in Disney generally. You know what? Same. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of musicals either. Um, I mean, I make a pretty solid exception for Hamilton. I love Hamilton so much. It may be my good thing one time. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I mean, it's incredibly hard to see because they haven't released any sort of like mass media anything. Um, but you can listen to it, and it's... I, I mean, if I cared about musicals, I'm sure I would. All right. I, I suspect that I'm I'm going to have about as much luck trying to sell you on Hamilton as you would me on The Greatest Showman. Yeah, seems like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, anyway, yeah, just there's there's a whole Venn diagram there, and then I'm I'm not in any of the circles, so so yeah, but yeah, uh, Zach Efron, that's not a bad. He's younger, he's pretty, and he seems like he'd be a pretty charismatic guy. Yeah, feel like we hit all of the... I don't feel like Rayodin is all that difficult to cast. Like, we don't need anyone all that special for it. We we basically just need has been previously cast as the lead in a movie once. <laughs> right. And, the, and then... Well, like... I, I feel like there's a definite... Even though he's a prince, he's got this boy-next-door vibe that whoever we cast really needs to carry that. So you're thinking Corey from Boy Next Door? Boy Meets World? Uh, Boy Meets World. Yes. That's got to leave that in because it's, oh my gosh, it's I have totally not, worth it when I, when I say really dumb stuff. I haven't thought about that show in years. You didn't think about it when they, when they did the, like the reboot of, or not the reboot, like the sequel series of Girl Meets World? Uh, no, I, I don't really watch a lot of TV. Oh, don't bother. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, like, I'm sure if it was good I would have heard more about it It was one of those things that came out And then I kind of never heard more Like Cory and Topanga are married And have a daughter And it's all about her stuff And like where where Boy Meets World Was was like this this really Just, just great wholesome show that, that was just this truth of the times uh, This is Disney tween garbage. Oh, good. That's because we needed more of that. Like, like literally, it's it's all of the Disney tween garbage shows that exist, uh, except that it also has you know Cory and Topanga in it as adults. Great. Yeah, it's it's not worth bothering with. So, all right. Well, this was a fun time of us mostly not talking about the book that we were that we're podcasting about we tried to talk about the book that we're podcasting about but we had this breakdown of communication where you are all knowing and i am not understanding <laughs> i really wish we could have bridged that gap because I, I i feel like we're close but i just i don't know how to get us there see i i'm i'm thinking that the magic on Cell, and I, I have said this before, I think it's based on forms and shapes. Oh, it is. It's it's very geometric. Right? Yes. So, I feel like 
and Elantrian should be able to figure out an Aeon for these other regions. But that's just not how it works. Okay. Explain to me how. Let me let like, me try that. Let me try this again. All right. So, okay. investiture on cell uh-huh. is is weird for the Cosmere because of the way cells three realms are are set up. Um. So the primary source of power should be from the. Okay, we have the three realms. We have physical. We have cognitive, and what's the third one? Spiritual. Yes. Okay, so, like, spiritual realm should be the primary source of power. Like, that should just be where power comes from. Like, the ultimate source of of all of this magical power should come from the spiritual realm. On so cell, when you talk about accessing the door... On cell, that, it's weird. That's where that is. Nope. No? No. Because the manner in which the two shards that were on cell... Uh, were killed, dumped all of their power into the cognitive realm, which isn't where it's supposed to go. Uh, as a result, the cognitive realm on Cell is basically this giant electrical storm all the time. Like It's this massive font of power that shouldn't be there. Um, this then shaped investiture across the entire world, uh, to be, like, highly regional, because power is, like, just right there, surface level, way easier to access. That mm-hmm. is the door. Okay. Um, so, if you become invested in Aralon, you become mm-hmm. an, uh, an Elantrian. If you become invested in the, the place where Hraithen's from. Fjordel? Fjordel. Um then you have the the bone twistiness and it's all human sacrifice. Um but that's like that's like their magic thing. I'm guessing that if you break it down and like actually look at their their screwed up bone stuff, it's going to be in the shape of like the Fjordel landscape. Right. That that's my theory as well. Um I am also guessing that the shapes that Che Shan makes in the air, like as you're doing the magical Tai Chi forms the shape of the country of wow i can't remember any of these jindo yes jindo <laughs> um and then the other magic that we that we see which is from emperor's soul is soul stamps and uh-huh. they finish that by carving the shape of maypon into into the back of the soul stamp okay like all of these are discrete magical systems that come from that specific region you okay. can still use Che Shan somewhere else, but you're yes. always going to be forming the shape of Jindo. You can still use um, Elantrian Aeon Door somewhere else, but you're still going to make regular Aeons. You can still use Decor Bone Blood Magic somewhere else, but your bones don't have to be a different shape somewhere else to do that. So you can't go to Maypon and make a Maypon door because that's not how the magic works there. Like you can make a soul stamp somewhere other than Maypon, but you still have to carve the back of like the shape of Maypon into the back of it before it works. Yes. Okay. okay. Did did that make more sense? It does make sense. But why? Because <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know that there is actually an answer for for that level of but why. Like the the answer to that is because that's how Brandon designed it to work. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's fair. Um, but but yeah, Cell is super. We we weird. know that the Elantrian magic gets weaker the farther they are from Elantris, right? Because the city is acting as a giant magnifier for their power. Correct. Um. So before but... before the city was built, Elantrians would probably be able to do all the same stuff. Um. Just like they'd, so, they'd be able to do all the same stuff everywhere as long as they could access the door because they didn't have that that power magnifier. So like you could be you could be in Maypon and do Aeon Door and it would work just fine. It just if you're closer to Elantris after the city is built, then you get that boost. Okay. I think is so in Mistborn Secret History. When we have the Irie. Yes. How does that work? Um, because they're not anywhere close to Elantris. Correct. And they don't get the boost from Elantris. Um, so what's going on? What I believe happened there is Elantrians before the Riode, um, they were, they were out exploring the Cosmere. Um, the, the cognitive realm is a great access point to all of the various, um, Cosmere worlds, or at least it's a good access point to the ones that have perpendicularities, um, which if you need a primer on perpendicularities, go read Oathbringer again, because that really breaks all of that down. Um, I have not to Oathbringer yet. That's the last one. Okay. Well, once once you get there, it'll it'll really explain what's going on with that. Okay. Um. So yeah. So because they have access to Aeon Door, which is fairly unique among Cosmere magic systems, in that as far as I can tell, it can do literally everything if you know the right specific sign to write in the air. Like if you if you know what you're doing, if you're properly studied, it can do whatever you need it to do. Like, it can teleport people, which we explicitly see in the book. Yes. Um, I'm guessing it will allow transportation uh, into the um, cognitive realm. Although, I haven't seen proof of that. It's possible that that's fairly unique to, like, that specific type of surge binder on Roshar. I don't know yet. Uh, In any case, they could always just use the perpendicularity, which they have access to right there in the middle of their city. Dang, that's convenient. Yes. Um, anyway, once you're on the, once you're on the cognitive realm, space works differently because there are only things where there are minds to populate the cognitive realm with things. So space basically doesn't exist. Um, if you if you know which direction to go, you can just sort of travel and then get to a different world without having to travel, you know, the millions of miles of empty space in between. It's it's fairly convenient. Um, yeah. Access to the spiritual realm, as far as I know, isn't possible for mortals. 
If it is, we haven't seen any examples of it that I'm aware of. So earlier when you were saying that the the way that the uh, shards were killed caused all the power to end up in the cognitive realm, where did you read that? Uh, that is from various words of Brandon. He's actually been very open about um, about some of the background stuff on this, on, on things like this. Mm-hmm. So that's just from interviews and things he's talked about from answering smart questions from smart from people who are smarter than me who've picked up on little hints and asked the right things and haven't gotten Ravo cards. Ravo okay. meaning read yeah, and read find and out. Yeah, read and find out. Yes. Um, yeah, well, I ask because at the moment I only have the three books left before I'm done with all of the existing Cosmere material and it hasn't covered any of that, so... Um, which three books are you specifically referring to? Um, the last two, um, Mistborn Era, Era 2 books that are out, and Oathbringer. Okay. You've gotten a little bit of it, if you knew what to look for. Uh, the letters in the, uh, in the Stormlight books? Yes. Uh, they actually, like, those, those little tiny things have provided a ton of info if you know what to look for and you can put the pieces together. Or if you're dumb and you can read the copper mind. <laughs> right. That that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's hi. Hello. Um but yeah, it's it's there. It's it's tough to spot if you're not actively looking for it, but it is there. Um so yeah, the there are various okay, so I guess let's let's break this down. There were 16 shards of adenalsium. Yes, um, I got that much. <laughs> right. That's that's basics. That's that's Cosmere 101. We actually did go over that in Cosmere 101. Since then, however long ago that was, which I think our time frame is minimum of like tens of thousands of years, um, various shards have been shattered. Uh, and this was primarily done by the one the one bad shard of odium, uh, potentially with help from autonomy. Hoyd, in in his letter, uh, implies pretty heavily that that autonomy was helping out odium, but yes, we we don't have absolute confirmation on that. We just sort of have what he believes happened. So, meh, shrug. So yeah, we have um, odium shattering shards, which this is killing them in a very specific way that their power can't be gathered up and passed on to someone else, which we actually see that happen uh, in Mistborn Era 1 with, oh, so many people take up take up preservation's power at various points. Yes. Um... So yeah, there's there's Kelsier for a little while, there's Vin for like a minute, and then there's Sazed, who gets preservation and ruin because Vin just is so cool. Just so freaking cool. Um, so yeah, like the whole preservation and ruin thing, that all of that happened in a completely different way from how Odium does. Uh, and Odium did it this way because... Uh, and this is according to, I believe, Word of Brandon, 
Um, Odium doesn't want to take up other shards because it will change how he works. And he he wants to be the only shard at, at the end. Well. Um, and then, as far as I can tell, the first ones he went after were Devotion and Dominion on Cell. And he didn't do it quite right, and he kind of borked it up and dropped all of their power on the Cognitive Realm. And that went not so great. Uh, he also shattered Ambition. Uh, I don't remember the exact way this went. Either he did it in the Threnody system, which is where Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell is set, mm-hmm. or Ambition was from that system, and their fight took them elsewhere before Ambition was shattered. It was one of those two, and I don't remember which, but it's definitely one of those. Um, And then, of course, Odium shattered Honor on Roshar. Yes. And we're dealing with the aftermath of that in the Stormlight books, and fun. And then there's still... There's still, like, at least half of the shards that we just haven't seen yet. So we've seen Odium, Honor, yes. Cultivation, Devotion, or not not that we've seen, but we, we have. That we know of that yeah. they're accounted for. Right, so Odium, Honor, Cultivation, Devotion, Dominion, Ambition, Autonomy, um, what's the one on Warbreaker? What was that one? Um, I don't remember. I always confuse it for cultivation, but cultivation's the one on Roshar. Yes. Um They have like really similar names, I think. Whatever. The the one on Warbreaker World, Nalthus. Yes. Um and then Honor or not Honor, um Preservation and Ruins. So that's ten. So we still have six. We have six shards that if we've seen evidence of them, we haven't gotten like we haven't gotten their name at all. So, yeah. That's a that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. But but this is this is why I like it all so much cuz there's like one, there's there's all of this like deep lore that most of it isn't directly addressed in any of the books. But if you're smart enough or plan B, the better plan, other people are smart enough to have pointed out and written down, you can read about it. Um then, like, you can get into all of this. There's, like, Brandon has been super-duper open about talking about a lot of this, as long as it isn't something spoilery for, like, future projects that he has planned. So, like, the combination of those two things is just, it's, it's, it's very good for me. Well, fair enough. Alright, well, I've been, I've been talking for, like, an hour now. (laughs) No, you did good. You, you you did a very good job of being Mike and Craig. Okay. Like this, I feel like this would have been filled out a little bit better with it, with Craig here, but he had to be a butt and uh, and have his a link to the past randomizer thing scheduled for today. I think it was How more than just be? him. I think it was like this big massive race to to filter out a bunch of people from the from the standard tournament. But but yeah. All right, I'm ready to close this down. Okay. Okay. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. See you, see you next Good week. Good night, Internet.
This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.